0: This program is brought to you by personallifemedia.com. I'm Carrie Strzok, host of Beauty Now, a weekly podcast that brings you beauty from the inside out. Since I have been a child, my dad would tease me about putting mud on my face from the garden. Well, you know what? He was pretty much right. We've done shows now on everything from lashes, lifts, breast dogs, tummy tucks, hair, teeth, and more importantly, self-esteem and lifestyle tips. Today, you know, women, we've got those leg veins, spider veins, pregnancy veins kind of look at them and you're like, what are you going to do with these? Well, guess what? Today we have an expert with us, a board-certified surgeon and vascular surgeon, Dr. Jeff Cronson. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much. It's good to be here.
0: Thanks for being with us today. I think women don't know what to do when they see these veins, and I think there's all different types of veins, and maybe you can explain to us what are varicose veins and spider veins.
1: Varicose veins are a symptom of an underlying problem uh, known generically as chronic venous insufficiency. this is more common than you might think, Terry. One in 10 Americans faces the problem of chronic venous insufficiency. What that means is the blood is not getting pumped back up to the heart against gravity through your veins properly. Veins have these one-way valves, and when those valves become incompetent or non-functional, the blood tends to pool in your feet. That causes all kinds of symptoms of chronic venous insufficiency, one of which is varicose veins.
0: Well, can they be dangerous for your health?
1: They can be life-threatening. In a couple of instances, people with venous insufficiency develop venous ulcers. They appear on the inside of your leg, just above the ankle, and they can erode into your skin, and sometimes they can cause uncontrollable bleeding. Well, how do you
0: know if you have this? I mean, so you're looking at your legs and you see a vein that doesn't look pretty to us, but that can also be dangerous.
1: Most of the spider veins that we see and the little bluish veins that we see under the skin are not dangerous. Before the veins become dangerous, people will experience symptoms of venous insufficiency that if they are able to recognize them, they'll know something's going on. For example... Most people who stand on their legs all, on their feet all day long if they work at a job in retail for example or in a medical office will often complain of fatigue and heaviness at the end of the day if they have venous insufficiency they'll complain of tiredness sometimes it'll get as bad as constant burning or itching the end of that scale leaves people with varicose veins that bulge out of their leg either in the thigh or the calf and even further than that are large uh, erosions of the skin just above the ankle on the inside. That's sort of the end of the spectrum. But if you are standing all day and you get swelling, burning, itching... And fatigue, now, are you saying
0: burning and itching in your legs, or would that be all over your body?
1: Just in your legs. Just uh, in your legs. is a problem mostly of your lower extremities. Some folks do have it in their arms, but I see 99% of the patients in my office and in my clinic for the legs, so we're talking legs, mostly below the knee.
0: So walk us through a consultation.
1: Well, if somebody comes in to see me with spider veins, those are the little red and bluish, you know, squiggly lines on your legs. We talk about their general medical history. You know, I'm a physician and surgeon first, so I'm going to take a good history of of a potential patient,
0: which is really important for any doctor. You know, to talk about your history, and we always stress that on Beauty Now, that you want to make sure that your doctor cares about your, your history rather than just the cosmetic
1: look of things. Well, that's a real good point, because there are some reasons not to do procedures on varicose veins. I ask about the history of blood clots. Either the patient has any, if they, ha- if they have any blood clots, is there any history of blood clots in the family? Are they on any blood thinners, etc.? cetera? Um, Etc. like that. And then we go through a general physical examination. And as a vascular surgeon, I'm going to, you know, look at them from head to toe. It doesn't take very long, not more than a minute to a minute and a half. And I'll get a real good idea of what kind of shape they're in. We, of course, talk about their medications and any previous operations they may have had. And that's all fairly routine. We specifically ask about symptoms. We talk about Uh, things that might interfere with their activities of daily living. Are they able to stand? Do their legs feel tired or, you know, fatigued at the end of the day? Do they wake up in the middle of the night with burning or itching? Do they have restless leg syndrome? That's a common problem that occurs that has nothing to do with varicose. Now,
0: we see commercials on restless restless leg syndrome all the time, and what in the world is that?
1: We don't really know what causes it, but it's mediated by the nerves in your body, and it's uh, an un- uh, attributed firing of the nerves that makes people feel that if they move their legs, that sort of anxious feeling gets relieved. And it's good for a few minutes when they move around. But then that feeling comes again, and the only way for them to relieve that feeling that they need to move is to move.
0: So you're, you're talking like that you shake your legs? or
1: Yeah. And it occurs mostly at night when you're sort of not concentrating on anything else. Uh, in the day, and especially when you're walking or, or if you're doing exercise, it's totally blocked out by the other impulses that your nerves are receiving. But when you're sitting there and try to get sleep at the middle of the night, that's when it tends to bother folks the most. There are medications to take care of those symptoms, but that's a sort of a regimen of last resort, and it has nothing to do with your veins.
0: It has nothing to do with your veins.
1: So that, that's correct.
0: Let's get back to, we were talking about just the appearance of your veins. Let's just say you're having none of these symptoms, but you look down and you see either a... Let's talk about the bulging veins
1: first, where you do surgery. Well, if someone was to go after your bulging veins or your severe spider veins without doing an ultrasound of the leg, that would border on malpractice. If somebody has gallstones and you give them a pain pill to take for the rest of their life, that's not good medicine. You've got to take out their gallbladder, Okay. Uh, if you have varicose veins, the varicose veins are a symptom of underlying chronic venous insufficiency. The saphenous vein, which is the longest vein in your body, runs from your ankle where it starts and up to your groin.
0: Are you talking about the inner thigh, the front of your leg? The
1: Yeah, it runs from your inner thigh or your inner ankle right up the inside of your calf, the inside of your thigh, all the way up to your uh, groin. Now, That vein is part of the superficial venous system. It's the one that's most commonly affected and therefore most commonly treated for venous insufficiency. We're not really talking about the deep veins, the veins that run next to your bone. Those can also have problems with valves, but we can't treat those very easily. The superficial venous system, when successfully treated, gets rid of venous insufficiency and all the associated issues that go along with it in 85% of the cases. So when someone has bulging varicose veins, Terry, the first thing I do is order a venous duplex, and they're going to look at the client's or the patient's legs when they're sitting, lying down, and standing, and make sure that the blood continues to get pumped up towards the heart. If the blood starts pooling down towards the feet, that tells the technician doing the ultrasound that the valves aren't working, and the diagnosis of venous insufficiency is made. Now, once I have that diagnosis, I can proceed with treatment.
0: And the treatment is?
1: Well, it's a multi-part sort of thing. Traditionally, there's something called vein stripping that vascular and general surgeons used to do. We used to make an incision in the groin, make an incision at the ankle, pass a steel or plastic catheter through the entire saphenous vein, which in my leg is about two and a half feet long. We would tie one end to the catheter and pull it out rather vigorously. Now, it worked to get rid of the venous insufficiency because we were removing or stripping the vein, but it was terribly barbaric. Patients got tremendous bruising. They would bleed after surgery. There was a lot of neuropathy or nerve pain, and there was even returns to surgery. Fortunately, in 2001, 2002, uh, endovascular venous ablation became common, and now that is the first-line therapy when one is diagnosed with an incompetent venous system.
0: Okay, so you're talking to your average listener, so what does that mean? Explain ablation
1: for our listeners. Sure. Instead of removing the vein, we're going to put a catheter percutaneously or through a tiny 1 to 2 millimeter incision in the skin into the vein. We're going to use a heat source, either generated by laser or radiofrequency, to heat up the catheter that's inside the vein. And essentially, using that heat, we're going to seal that vein shut. It's going to turn into a 2 millimeter fibrous cord, The body is going to take away that scar tissue in about six months. So if you were to operate on someone looking for that vein, in half a year, you wouldn't even be able to find it. That's done through a two millimeter incision. There is virtually no bruising, no pain, no scarring, and no return to surgery after that procedure. That's called venous ablation. Now, there's two kinds of venous ablation. The more popular is called RF ablation. That's the Venus Closure Procedure, and your listeners can get more information about that on, the, on their website, which I believe is uh, venus.com, V-N-U-S.com.
0: And you can also go to personallifemedia.com, and we're going to link up all these websites.
1: Absolutely. The second is EVLT, or endovenous laser uh, therapy, and that's where the laser source is used in the same fashion to seal the vein shut. The reason that's a little less popular is the complication rate after laser ablation is about two to five percent, where with Venus abla- with uh, RF ablation, excuse me, it's less than one percent. The two different modalities of heat produce slightly different complications, but both are significantly less than the old-fashioned vein stripping.
0: So the end result, though, would be First of all, your health. You want to make sure that you're healthy and you're doing this for the right reasons. But a lot of women are concerned just about their appearance. Much like cellulite, they don't like the looks of cellulite, so they do something about it. Is it dangerous to do something cosmetically for your veins if you don't like them?
1: Absolutely not. It's very, very safe these days. And there's many modalities to take care of the cosmetic part of the problem. Once you've, even, once you've been proven to not have venous insufficiency or the venous insufficiency has been taken care of, then we can move on to the cosmetic aspect. And I do, in about 70 to 80% of my patients, move on to that aspect. There's various different modalities to treat the cosmesis. Uh, one of the most common and easy things to do is sclerotherapy. Now, that means injecting the spider veins with a very tiny needle with some saline solution and a detergent. We use something called sodium moruate. What that causes is the blood in those spider veins gets replaced with this chemical. That causes the vein walls to stick together, and those spider veins disappear. They actually disappear uh, from sight when you inject the saline solution because it replaces the red blood with a clear solution and you can't see them. It's pretty dramatic. That's a way to take care of the um, tiny veins. The next section of veins is called, are called reticular veins and those are the blue veins that you see running under your skin. They're about one to three millimeters in diameter. You can inject those, although there's a limit to the amount of the sclerosis that you can put into somebody More commonly now is laser ablation. This is a non-invasive procedure where a laser head is applied to the skin surface and pulses of light energy are used to uh, rid the person of the veins. Typically, uh, clients come back for two or three sessions in a a, a specific area. Uh, This involves no needles whatsoever. We also do foam sclerotherapy for larger veins. It's, a, it's similar to the first sclerotherapy that I mentioned, except rather than a solution being injected, the solution has air or CO2 introduced to it, and it becomes foamy. That goes into larger veins, and eventually the veins uh, turn into fibrous scars that are removed by the body. That's also done with a needle. Finally, there's a procedure called microphlebectomy, and there are various different methods of doing this a two millimeter incision is made and the vein is grasped by the surgeon and removed, sort of teased out of the skin. Uh, That's the physical removal of those large varicose veins that can still be symptomatic and painful even though the underlying problem, the venous insufficiency has been taken care of. That requires uh, some form of anesthesia and usually there's a downtime in that particular part of the procedure of anywhere from two to seven days.
0: Well, I'm going to be asking you some more questions. This is like a ton of great information if you're suffering from vein problems. We're going to be right back. This is Terry Struck, host of Beauty Now, and we're talking with Dr. Jeff Cronson. Listen to Just for Women, Dating, Relationships, and Sex, a weekly internet audio program from personallifemedia.com. Fresh inspiration and expanded relationship options for today's woman. Terry Stuck. I'm back with Beauty Now, and we're talking all about leg veins today. If you have leg veins, spider veins, anything like that, get your pencil out, because this is really great information, and you'll be able to find a specialist near you. We always stress board-certified, and we are talking with board-certified general and vascular surgeon Dr. Jeff Cronson today. Welcome back, Jeff.
1: Thank you. It's good to be here, Terry.
0: Well, thank you so much, and we were talking about all the different types of veins, and Is there anything else you can tell us about varicose and spider veins? Do they return after treatment?
1: That's a good question. People often ask, well, if I get this treated now, what's going to happen down the line? Traditionally, the recurrence of varicose veins after the treatment we mentioned, which is treating the saphenous vein, the underlying problem, getting rid of the spider veins or getting rid of the varicose veins, is about 15 to 20% at 20 years those data were developed when we used to strip the saphenous vein. We're finding that with the minimally invasive procedures, either the venous closure procedure, which I do, or EVLT, uh, laser ablation of the vein, that the recurrence rate down the line is only about 5 to 8%. Now, we only have data out to about 8 or 10 years, but this seems to be a significant difference between traditional treatment of varicose veins. So, yes, it can come back. And yes, there are other procedures that we do if it does, but most folks will be successfully treated by uh, endovenous ablation and uh, the treatment of the cosmetic problems.
0: So let's talk about, let's just say you go in and you diagnose somebody that they do have a vein that's going to need laser surgery on. Do you need pain meds? Do you need anesthesia? What, what's the procedure?
1: Well, with laser ablation, if we're talking about for cosmetic concerns, it's not a particular painful uh, procedure. I I run a a laser center where we do this, and I did it on myself so I would know. And I'm pretty much a wimp. Uh, I cry at a haircut.
0: Really? You think so? You think you're a wimp? Because I think I'm the biggest wimp on the planet. I'm pretty sure I want to be put out for even getting Botox.
1: I I don't have much of a pain tolerance. That being said, you're a real um,
0: man to admit that.
1: Yeah, well, I, I know my limits, and the thing is, I, I didn't find it particularly painful. It's like somebody snapping at you with a rubber band, and there's four or five firings of the laser in a particular area, and then they move on. We use numbing cream of various sorts to take away the, uh, the intensity. It's very well tolerated. There, it, there's no downtime whatsoever. There's no scarring. There's no bruising, and people can go out and do their regular activities right afterwards. No one's going to know you had it done except for you.
0: Well, oh, that sounds good. That's what we want. We want privacy, that's for sure.
1: But there are other issues. People come with recalcitrant veins. What I mean by that is you've treated the saphenous vein, you've treated some of the varicose veins, and they still have some problems, especially by the inside of their ankle. There's a type of vein called a perforating vein. As we talked about earlier in the podcast, there's a superficial system and a deep system. They're connected by a bridge called a perforating vein. That vein also has a valve in it. And if that valve isn't working properly, there are various different procedures to take care of the perforating vein, which is sort of a second or third-line therapy if the first-line stuff didn't work. And what would that be? Well, we can make a small incision and put a clip or a tie on that vein. We can use a laparoscopic technique, which means using a scope and enlarging the space between the skin and the muscle in your leg, creating a virtual space and finding those perforating veins through very small incisions, which are far away from the problem, putting a clip on them. And also we can use radiofrequency ablation, putting a catheter in those veins and sealing them up with radiofrequency or ultrasound energy. If that doesn't work, then the very last bastion of treatment is to take a look at the deep veins. And about 5 to 8% of people will have problems with venous insufficiency in their deep system. About 20% of that 5% or 1% of all venous insufficiency patients will need to have something done with those deep veins. That's a big deal. Uh, we have to repair or shore up the valve in that deep system. That requires a general anesthetic, and those are very specific operations that about five to seven vein centers in the United States handle well. The success is only about 50 or 60%, and sometimes patients are left with lifelong problems that are very difficult to deal with.
0: And I would assume that you'd be hospitalized for something like that. Would that be true?
1: Absolutely. If you're going to have general anesthetic and someone's going to make a big incision on your leg, you're going to be in the hospital for a couple of days the good news about those kinds of operations is the treatment, if it works, is fairly immediate. You go from having a system where the valves don't work to where they do. So there's no time to sort of recover from the success of the procedure. It works right away. And right away, your leg starts getting better. But really, those cases are few and far between. And like I said, there are specific referral centers that I can uh, make your uh, listeners aware of if they're interested.
0: Definitely, we want your referrals, because I think that we're trying to stress safety here. So I, um, we're definitely going to link you up, personallifemedia.com, and we're going to be able to go to Dr. Jeff Cronson's website, and you're going to be able to call him, email him, and figure out who's the best doctor for you in your area. And so who is the youngest patient that you see?
1: I see, I've seen patients that are 16 and 17 years old. One thing I didn't mention earlier on was that varicose veins are often congenital. If your mom or your sister has them or your grandmother, you are probably going to get them, even if, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, and I see pretty much an equal share of both. I've treated patients in their late 90s as well. If they have a physiological problem, something that's definable by ultrasound, and they're having symptoms, there's no reason why they shouldn't have a minimally invasive procedure, even if their life expectancy is only a couple of years. So I've sort of seen the whole gamut. The other thing that's interesting is if you have a problem in one leg, you're 70% uh, as likely to have a problem in the other leg, even if you don't have symptoms. So I do a lot of preventive care. If somebody's got bad symptoms in one leg or bad varicose veins and the other leg's okay, I'll treat the other leg as well so that the bad the good leg doesn't turn into the bad leg.
0: Well you just brought up something really important. What can we do to prevent veins?
1: Well, if you have valvular incompetency, there's not a whole lot you can do. If you're going to get them by genetics, you're going to get them. If you stand a lot, wearing compression stockings will keep the valve leaflets together and give you a longer lifespan until you need an intervention. Job's or Juzo stockings are sort of the tight compression stockings. And when you're an older person, getting those on can be quite a chore. They're very difficult sometimes to comply with, especially in the hotter climates, such as uh, Southern California, where I live and uh, people don't tend to wear them. You can uh, get good at a profession that doesn't require you to be on your feet all day. People who have a lot of pregnancies, when the uterus expands, it sits on the pelvic veins and that pops open the valves. Those folks are at risk for having venous insufficiency as well.
0: Optomom will be in to see you soon, I'm sure. She,
1: she may. She may <laughs> she down should. the line. Well, That's she may
0: not. True. She may be one of the lucky ones. We don't
1: know. The most important thing, Terry, if I could just close with, that you have to make sure that your doctor is practicing with his or in, within his or her area of expertise. A lot of people claim to be vein specialists. Many are, but many aren't. And unfortunately, uh, as a referral source for a lot of physicians, I see a lot of complications. Your doctor has to know what they don't know. And if they're not board certified, either in vascular surgery, general surgery, or they don't belong to the American College of Phlebology, you may want to get a second opinion because somebody who's treating spider veins without knowing what the underlying problem is can harm you. It's always important to put the patient first, and as we say, first, do no harm.
0: Right, and I, we always stress on every show is, is go to somebody, and this is your specialty, a vascular surgeon. And we don't go to dentists for a breast dog, so that's really, really important to do your homework.
1: Well, I, I couldn't agree more.
0: So in closing, it, what else could you tell us at the very, very end? We talked a lot about the leg vein surgery. What about spider veins and the little you know laser zapping that you did? You touched on that briefly. Let's close with that.
1: Well, people have a lot of facial telangiectasia that we treat as well. So, telangiectasia means tiny little veins around the nose, around the nares, your nostrils, on the cheeks. All that can be treated successfully with laser treatment to the face or photofacials.
0: What kind of laser do you use photofacial for that, Amy?
1: Well, we use IPL, so we use intense pulse light. The company that we like is called Cineron, but there's a lot of good products.
0: I love Cineron. Cineron has great
1: products. Well, they, com- they combine radio frequency and laser light energy. Uh, in order to deliver the least amount of energy required to get rid of the problem. There's no burning. There's no scarring. There's no downtime. There's really no redness. We treat these veins on the face with a laser. After what, I would say two to three treatments, they're gone for good. And you can get them done in the lunchtime. We call it the lunchtime photo facial. You go back to work and people will think that maybe you had a little bit of sun and that's about it. Again, the only person that will know is you. And
0: that's good for rosacea as well, isn't it, the IPL?
1: Yeah, absolutely. IPL is excellent for any brown or red discoloration on the skin. When the skin creates spider veins, when you get rosacea, when you have brown pigmentation, the skin is trying to protect itself from the UV light from the sun. It's protecting itself against cancer, so it forms these shields of pigment. And that can become quite unsightly if people have been exposed to sun without proper sunscreen for a lot of their life, and again, especially here in Southern California. So IPL will bring that pigment to the skin. It'll flake off like pepper flakes, and you'll be left with nice, smooth-licking skin with no cosmetic defects. And it really works. The technology has... It
0: does really work. I love it. I, I love it. I personally love that. I love Fraxel. I, I think it's just great upkeep regardless.
1: Well, it's amazing what you can do non-invasively here. I've got a lot of friends that are plastic surgeons, and they do great work. But you don't have to go to the plastic surgeon first. You can try a lot of non-invasive therapy. And then don't burn any bridges when you want to have cosmetic surgery. Everything is left intact and you haven't violated any skin planes and you're uh, a fresh patient that they can do wonders with.
0: It's always good to keep your skin up. We're running out of time. I can't believe it. I have so many more questions. We'll have you back. Thank you so much for all this great information. Obviously, if you have leg vein problems, it's going to be solved. Go to personallifemedia.com. You can also email me at teri at personallifemedia.com with any questions you have for Dr. Jeff Cronson. And also check out some of our other shows, Dr. Perricone, Dr. Brent Mulliken. We have some really great shows on lasers, lifts, lashes, hair, you name it, we probably have it. Beauty Now. Thanks again, Dr. Cronson, for being with us. It was great information, and it was a pleasure talking
1: to you. Thank you, Terry, for the opportunity. Thanks a lot.